This is Patriots Playbook. The legend. So at, at the risk of sounding somewhat flippant here, what's going on? I'm really not trying to play psychotherapist here. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm not. Tell those lazy yeah, bastards so. to get off their butts and let's get to work. That's ridiculous. It yeah. is ridiculous. Now, here's your host of Patriots Playbook, John Rook. Well, we have all off season now to get off our butts and get to work. Let's just hope that perhaps somebody in football ops also decides to do the very same thing because I think we can all agree after going through this up and down and up and down and up. Oh, God, it makes me seasick just thinking about it. But going through this season, yeah, there's a ton. There's a ton of work to do. Welcome into the playbook, everybody. Uh, this is the final uh, show for the 2022 regular season. Uh, we will uh, step into the off season officially next month when we do February show. We decided on a date for that, 15th, right? So we're going to start with the off season edition on Wednesday, February 15. I know you're going to want to mark your calendars for that. Uh, but then we'll go monthly uh, from February through August, and then we will resume with the weekly shows in September once the regular season rolls around. In the meantime. Um, Good to hook up again with Evan Lazar because I know the last couple of weeks you've had travel, you had interview changes last right. week because of the whole you know Demar Hamlin story going on and and um, you know so at any rate thank you for of course thank you for being here first of all all season because um, it's been a great addition to the show it's it's I, I was able to do. I think most of the people that have listened for any length of time over the the twenty two years we've done the show that I've always been sort of a a film junkie myself anyway. And while I never really took the time to go through like the all 22s and because I, I just I preferred to kind of look at highlights and game clips and see the games in person and watch them and observe off of that. I could do that if I needed to do that. And I guess if I were a beat reporter, I probably would do that because I'd want to make sure there were things that I didn't miss. But I've always liked to get a little bit more Xy and Oe. Yeah. Than the PU guys, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. And so thank you for that you know, ability to exchange that this year because I respect what you do. I respect what a guy like Greg Bedard does, and he was he was with us last week, kind of in your stead almost. Yes. But you guys, you know, kind of do that and, and I appreciate that because I love football. I, I mean I, I wouldn't be here if I didn't like football, but I love football. I've always loved football. I couldn't I, I tried playing football, but I was too small, you know, too slow. And but I always, you know, Love the strategy. Yeah, me too. And and so at one time or another, football, uh, if not journalism, which that's what I wanted to do in school, I, I wanted to be a football beat writer in the worst way. That's what I went to school for. I wanted to cover the old Southwest Conference, you know. That was, you know, where we only got two sports here in the state of Texas, football and spring football. That's all they got. Uh, but that's that's all I wanted to do. And then I actually gave coaching a little bit of a thought just through – you know, peewee stuff and, and nothing, you know, major because I, I suppose I would have had to start a lot earlier in life if I had wanted to do that. But having the ability to talk about it and exchange ideas, not only people who are knowledgeable, but fans who are extraordinarily knowledgeable. Everybody I talk to on this show, I honestly don't think, you know, and Matt, you've been here, what now, five years, six years? Four years. It seems like forever, man. Okay. Uh but everybody that I've talked to, at least in, in Marines' time here, is legitimately smart. They just they just smart. I, I, I and I really appreciate that. Yeah. You know, every every radio show you do, you're gonna have a knucklehead call or somebody try to call and bust your chops or you know, somebody who doesn't have any being, you know, doesn't have any reason for really opening their mouth. Silence is golden and you know, and makes you smarter. Um but 
I don't, I've never felt that way about the people who listen to this show. Whether they contribute to the show as a caller or as an emailer or if they send me a tweet or if they post on my Facebook page uh, or they just listen. Because yeah, cause I know they're out there. I, I, I hear from people, hey, I've never called in, but blah, blah, blah. I, I, I respect their knowledge. I respect their passion. And it's okay to say knuckleheaded things every now and then because I say knuckleheaded things every show. And, and I realize that. And sometimes you say those things to kind of stir the drink, uh, you know, like our, our, ba- our vein-bulging argument from earlier this season. Right. You know, with the whole Bailey Zappy thing, you know. Zappy, Zappy. That went right up his rear end, you know that? Yeah. It really did. But I appreciated that. You played along wonderfully. And I thought we got great content, great conversation out of it. And look what the hell happened with it. We got, I mean, you know. Some unbelievable stuff going on around this team around that. And, and I guess that kind of gets me to today's point overall, Ev, uh, only because the season was such a roller coaster, you know? The ups and the downs, it seems like there were it was way like more. like a roller coaster and then it was like a, a crash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a loop-de-loop and then a crash, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm just I'm trying to figure out how we – I guess I've had a hard time getting my whole, you know, my old being around this because this team, as bad as it seemed, it really seemed like a negative year to me. Totally negative. I mean, you finish eight and nine, you're negative. But I predicted eight and nine. Didn't you predict eight and nine? I think I predicted nine and eight. Nine and which eight. Which we were okay. both close. Okay. I, either way. Well, I was right there. Yeah. I, eight, I said eight and nine. They finished eight and nine. Not that I wanted them to finish eight and nine because I knew eight and nine they'd be out of the playoffs, and they are. Although they could have squeezed in if Pittsburgh and Miami had just capitulated last week, which is another crazy thing. But I thought that the overall level of play in the NFL this year was also a little bit on the lower side. I just didn't see. The superlatives, I think, that, I, that that we've been used to seeing, and maybe it's just because we're spoiled because of where the Patriots have been in terms of the NFL hierarchy over the last, you know, well, two decades plus. But it wouldn't surprise me at all, at all, to see Chalk went out in the playoffs this year. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see a seven seed somehow sneak through. I don't think it'll be the Dolphins without Tua. Right. But I, I, you know, I'm just not to see somebody get through to like a, an AFC or an NFC championship game. I, I think you could see that a seven or a six do that this year, just because I think that the 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 evenness and frankly the stinkiness of the entire season is just sort of there. The Patriots at eight and nine were one win away from not only getting into the postseason. Okay, how many games? Were they close enough where you say they could have or even should have won this year? Yeah. How many? Um, four? I'd say three. Three or four? Three. Off the top of my head. Okay. I, I, I would say two for sure. And I know you're, and you're being conservative. Yeah. Because we can, we can certainly look at the Raiders game, although that game was going into overtime. The Raiders game and the Bengals game, I think, are probably the two that, that come to mind the okay. most. Okay. In that category. Okay. So if you get those two. You're already ten and seven. You're already where you were a year ago. Yeah. And doesn't the picture look much, much, much different if you have back to back ten and seven playoff teams with a rookie at quarterback? I think it looks different. I think offensively it's still they still would have made the playoffs on the back of their defense and, and with a an offense that quite frankly was below the line for the entire year Mm -hmm. so I still don't think I would feel great about the offense even if they had let's say 
Ramondre Stevenson doesn't fumble at the five-yard line against the Bengals and they go in and score and end up winning that game. I still don't feel great about it. I still don't feel great about Matt Patricia being the answer on the offensive side of the oh, football. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's a given. That's, right. That's a given. So I, I think you feel better, but I think for a lot of fans, and I've heard this sentiment a lot, 10-7 and seven and back in the playoffs just to get blown out by Cincinnati or Buffalo on wild card weekend is, is you're in the same spot that you were in last year, which isn't progress, but, right? But, but it, isn't it progress from a developmental point of view if you have a, a second-year quarterback who's made the playoffs each of his first two years? In spite, suppose, in, spite of the, in spite of the lack of coaching. I just think that you would look at it for this particular team, maybe not the team last year as much, but for this particular team, I think that you would look at them making the playoffs in that hypothetical in spite of the offense, right? So it wouldn't be that they made the playoffs on Mac Jones's back. Mm-hmm. It'd be that they made the playoffs in spite of the offense. And so, therefore, I don't think you give the whole, well, he's in his second year and they made the play. I don't think you give it as much credence. This offense this year has been broken since the since training camp. Since we were out there in training camp in August, we I, I we could all see it with our eyes. Yeah. And for yeah, once, yeah. not to toot our own horns, but for once our hysteria in training camp was, was, ac- right. was right. It was accurate. And we're all saying, and, and listen, I was one of the ones that certainly purported, all right, calm down, everybody. Right. Let's give this a chance. Right. And then it was about midway through the season when I sort of raised the old eyebrow and I said, something smells. Yeah. Yeah. Something smells. And so I gave it. Six to eight weeks. And I don't know that, you know, and, and we didn't really see, honestly, I don't really think we saw anywhere close to what we thought we'd see until last week against Buffalo. In the first half. Second half was Second half, more yeah, of but, the same. But, right. But, but first half against Buffalo this last week, oh, my God, that looked like a real freaking offense. Well, they played differently. They played under center. They used play action. Yeah, they were scheming it up on in the red zone and not near the goal line finally. Like, they they – it was a good plan coming out of the gate from Matt Patricia. It was a good plan. And it only took them 17 weeks to right. get there. And then, and then in the second half, they went right back to what they were doing in the first 16 games of the season. So It was almost as if, okay, now we've kind of figured out what we have to do, but now we need to make it do this. And they go back to it, and it failed miserably. I think this has been a problem with this Matt Patricia offense all year, and that is that they have – I don't want to put a number on it, but it seems like they have one sequence every single game where they look like an NFL offense and they're able to put it together and they're able to script the drive together, but it's one time a game, right? It's it's one flash in the game mm-hmm. where you say, oh, that was a good drive or that was a good quarter or that was a good half, but they never were able to string it together for four quarters, and at some point, the the training wheels or the wheels in general just fell off of what they were doing. And I think Buffalo was a perfect microcosm of that because they did. I mean, Mac Jones was 13 for 16 in the first half, right? He played a good first half. And then the second half was three turnovers and not a good second half. So it, it, and they score, you know, they kicked a field goal after Singletary fumbles on his own 10-yard line. They go three and out immediately and have to kick the field goal. They got another drive when the punt hit the bill player in Buffalo territory, and they recovered, and they that was an interception that ended that drive. So they had all these – the defense set them up, all and the special team set them up on short fields again, and they still weren't able to cash in. So this had all that written still in big, bold letters 
all over it offensively, even with what the good things that they did in the first half. So I don't know. I think it it all would have depended certainly on how they played on wild card weekend. Like if they had played a good competitive game against Buffalo or they had somehow pulled off an upset, then right. sure that would, that would have changed my mind. But just assuming that they would have lost this weekend, I think we're still having similar conversations to what we're having now, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. I think we probably would have too, but you know, they, they, they got it, you know, for lack of, you know, anything else, they, they did get it kind of figured out and, and yet they, they couldn't execute. Um, they couldn't sustain. Um, it seemed like, you know, when they would figure out one aspect of the team, another part of the team would invariably let them down. I mean, how many times did the defense not get off the field when, you know, we're thinking, wow, the offense is playing well today and the defense can't get off the field, and the defense was the best part of this team consistently all year long. And then, of course, against the Bills, the unmitigated disaster that was special teams. Right. I mean, I don't think if – I mean, and I realize most people who sustain any type of career in this business do so by not making knee-jerk reactions. Right, you you got to think the process through. You got to let it go through. But I'm not sure had I been at the helm of anything after that that I would have let anybody from the special teams back on the plane to come home. Yeah, it's a tough one. I I think the first one, I, I I'm not a like divine intervention type of guy. But the first one, uh, okay, like you give up one, right? That's opening kickoff. Yeah, the place was rocking. The Demar Hamlin that's stuff. That's exactly what I said. I said, you know what? That's divine intervention. Right, is what that was. I'm not big on that, but sure. The second one was a backbreaker for so many different reasons because you're actually winning the yep. game at that point. Seventeen fourteen Patriots at that point in the mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. and they give up the second one, and that really is what felt like an absolute backbreaker was okay well now not only does the defense basically have to pitch a a shutout against Josh Allen the rest of the way but we also we're now now we're trailing him just after we just took the lead now we're all of a sudden we're trailing again immediately so uh, that that was yeah the second one was was deplorable and I I think the biggest thing with the special teams is that this is a a two-year problem the special teams wasn't good in 2021 either. And then it, and, and they had issues in 2021. They get punts blocked and they, you know, it, it wasn't good either. This year, it was arguably worse. I mean, they had, according to Football Outsiders, they had the worst special teams unit in the NFL. In the NFL. How does anybody keep their job after that? The only thing that – and I, I am not in disagreement with you that they, they could use – a change on special teams. I think the only thing that you can use as a, po- a potential excuse is the personnel. The fact that Polardi was your punter down the stretch and Nick Folk was kicking off down the stretch because you didn't have Jake Bailey. And I know Jake Bailey didn't punt well either, so I'm not saying that... that but uh, we he, knew that Bailey was also good for putting a football through the end zone when they needed right. to. Right. Right. Like, does Naheem Hines even touch the ball on, no. on Sunday if no. Jake Bailey's healthy? No, no. No, especially the second time. Right. I mean, if you allow, if he caught the ball, say, at the goal line and went 100 yards on the opening kick, and like I said, you know, divine intervention, whatever, there's no way in hell if he's back there that if Bailey's kicking off, the ball even gets close to him. Right, and then the, the, then the 
third or fourth kickoff, they tried the squib to keep it away from him, and it goes out of bounds. It goes out of bounds, and they get the ball to the 40-yard line. Right. So it just... Unmitigated disaster. Yeah, it was bad. There's no doubt about it, and you and, can't and, spot a team like that 14 points. And, and to me, that's the biggest disappointment, I think, Evan, of the entire season, is that there was just so many mistakes, mistake after mistake after mistake, in areas where you know Bill Belichick in the past, as we know all know, had really been able to button things up, and discipline was in place, and there was there were repercussions and everything else, and yet... This year was just an unmitigated disaster. I keep using those two words together, but that's exactly what it was, yeah. comparatively speaking, to previous years in New England. And you you didn't have any attention, to, or at least not certainly not the same kind of attention to detail. And I don't know if that's uh, an issue for Bill. I don't know if that's an issue because of the, the coaching staff or the relative inexperience of said coaching staff, or if it's a byproduct potentially of the nature of the beast of the players today because of the little uh, quote-unquote uh, tete-a-tete that Jack Jones and Bill Belichick allegedly had, you know, that created some of this locker room issue. I mean, players are different today than they were 10 and 20 years ago and 30 and 40 years ago especially. You know, it's it's always it's just different. It's what have you done for me? What are you doing for me now? Right. Not what have you done for me lately? And the respect factor is at an all time low. And so when you've got a seventy year old head coach and a twenty two year old you know rookie who thinks he knows everything, clashing like that, who's going to win? Nobody. Yeah. Nobody wins. You can certainly say, well, it's Bill's way or the highway. That's great. But then who are you speaking to? nobody except the the other 40-plus-year-old fans that are watching. You're certainly not speaking to your team. And if you've lost your team in the locker room, you don't have a team. Yeah, I, so I was talking to Devin McCourty about this after the Bengals game. And I asked him, why can't this team close out a close game in the fourth quarter when or pull off a, a – come back like 22 to nothing to Cincinnati and pull off a comeback like that. But the 2016 team can come back from 28 to three in the Super Bowl, right? Like what? And obviously Tom Brady is the obvious answer, but I, I wanted to, I, he knew I wasn't saying to just say Tom, right? You know, he, he knew that I was trying to dig a little bit deeper than that. And his response was the players in the locker room are not the same players. Like, yes, they have Devin McCourty and they have David Andrews and they have Matt Slater and maybe some of the guys like Dietrich Wise might have been younger younger players on mm-hmm. the 18 team or something like that. But the players are not the same. And to your point, I think to a degree, I, I'm not saying that they don't respect Bill Belichick or they don't, they don't take the coach. But what does it matter? Like, I, I don't know what it matters as much, you know, to somebody that, to Jack Jones. Yeah. That he's playing for Bill Belichick, yeah. right? I mean, okay, I know he's an all-time great coach. I know he's he, he's a mastermind on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm, I'm game with that. But I wasn't here when he won six Super Bowls. And to an extent, you look at the record since, and you say – well, that's not. Maybe I'm not being coached by the same guy, and I'm getting down a road of craziness here. But I think the number one thing that Devin said to me was that you culture is built every single year. So to sit here and say, but it's a different culture, though, right? It's right because every team has a different culture. Yeah. Was his point right? 
and that though <laughs> what made those teams great is irrelevant to what's gonna like that's not this team anymore and i think that what this team currently from a culture standpoint obviously they have a lot of you know i get into the x's and o's and they have a lot of x's and o's problems but from a culture standpoint i don't think this team has an identity right now no it doesn't i don't think this team I would 100 percent agree with that there is no identity right i don't think this team has confidence trust buy-in nope. belief None of like it. those teams used to have, where right. when you get down two scores to Baltimore in the divisional round, and then you get down two scores to Baltimore again in the divisional round, you still believe in your heart of hearts that we are going to win this football game. And that's what those teams had. This team, it doesn't have that. And it has a, a young players in, in key spots or new players in key spots as a second-year quarterback. The other... You know, probably the best player on your offense is a second-year player in Ramondre Stevenson. You know, Matthew Judon is your defensive leader right now, Mm -hmm. and he was not here for the dynasty. So it just—it's a new—it's a new world order in New England, and I don't think that they've fully figured out what what's our core, what's our belief, what's our what's our buy-in from this new. Core of players. I would also argue that the guys who are you know the the leaders in the clubhouse that have been a part of some of the dynastic years and you you obviously mentioned Devin McCourty. Let's add Matthew Slater in in that mix as well. Uh, those guys are at the tail end of their own personal careers, and my guess is that rather than concentrate on the team aspect of keeping everybody together, they ha- they have all they can do to get their own bleep together to finish out their careers, and I think that was a factor. Yeah. I think this team would benefit in some ways, and I know that some people are going to take this and say, oh, well, why why wouldn't the head coach go then too? But I think this team would benefit in some ways from having those guys retire because it will force, force them, to move on. them to move on. Yeah. Yeah, it'll force those leadership voids to be filled by new people. Could and they it, play another year? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think both of them Effectively? could. Yeah. Sure. I I don't think Matthew Slater had a huge drop off. I think Devin's lost a step, but I think that he's still so cerebral back there and and still has enough speed uh, to to get to places that he needs to be most of the time. I don't think it's as consistent as it used to be, but I would yeah. tell you that I I I felt like Devin. We all love Devin, okay? Yeah. But I felt like he he was losing a step a year ago. Yeah. So sure. of, of the two he's players, definitely lost of of the two players, I think Matt Slater, because of the fact that he's a primary special teamer, is probably the most likely to have ability to stick around another year if he wanted to. Right. I, I think that there's there's definitely evidence all over the place with Devin on film that that he's not the same guy. And I think sometimes when you look at it, it's almost like sometimes his mind can still move at warp speed, but his body can't. Exactly. And right? that happens to everybody at the yeah. end of their careers. Right. Your mind is great. You know where you want to go. Your wheels can't get you there. Yeah. It's like reaction, though, right? Yes. It's like getting the wheels turning. Yes, like You see correct. it stall on him now more than you used to. <laughs> you need to be going downhill so you can get a momentum. I mean, right. just like I got to do when I get up out of bed there every morning. Uh, I need to be going downhill. If it ain't happening downhill, it ain't happening. Uh, against Cincinnati, <laughs> when I... Uh, Trenton Irwin caught that touchdown in the end zone uh, in front of Devin. I I couldn't help but think a, a couple years ago Devin probably breaks that pass up. Yeah, 
and now he sees Good example. it. Yeah, but he just couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't get there fast yeah. enough. And I, he, I know that he knew that he needed to get there, right? right? Like he knows where right. he's supposed to go, right? But he just couldn't. He couldn't transition and gear down and get there quick enough. Well, one more thing, quick, Ed, before we we move, kind of move on here and, and flip the page. Uh, amongst the 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 alleged strife in the locker room that's been talking about, it. I know you guys talked about this in PU earlier, you know, this afternoon. But uh, the fact of the matter is that Chris Sims, what he had to say. Uh, in fact, I got sent a, a, a quote here from Dakota Randall at Nesson. Uh, who says, Mac Jones wasn't happy. He was telling people he wasn't happy. He was calling people about, hey, can you help us with ideas during the course of the season? And from Chris Sims's understanding, Bill Belichick found out these things, and that's where it began to get personal between them and some others in the locker room. What are your thoughts on any of this? Because you're in the locker room as much yeah. as anybody. I, I said this on Unfiltered. I, I, I don't really believe anything that Chris Sims says, to be honest with you, because all of a sudden Chris Sims... Okay. Like, thank you. Thank you. A, and I, and, and every, I agree with you because I think he's had I think he's had a stick up his butt about the Patriots ever since he left here. Every couple of weeks, Chris Sims like, tries to play insider and tries to act like he's, he's at Ian Rappaport and he's got a, all this sourced, plugged-in information. And yeah. I, I just... I find that hard to believe, especially from this organization that that this information has been leaking out. With that being said, anybody that was around this team that watched this team this year could tell you that there was buy-in issues. Yeah. Okay, I mean Mac Jones in training camp had buy-in issues. There he's getting up to the podium and he, you know he's he's depressed up at the podium because the offense had another bad day of training camp practice. Not even a loss, like just training camp practice, and it's not going well. And he's frustrated, and he said he was as much multiple times that he was frustrated. You got guys like Kendrick Bourne coming out after the Bills lost the first, the, the loss here that they lost the first time, saying mm-hmm. we got to do this better, we got to do that better. You know, taking shots at the coaches. So it's not, it's not like new information. I I think that there's certainly something to be said about buy-in with the quarterback and with the offense as a whole, and I think that. As much as I want to blame the players for lack of buy-in, and I think that they do take a share of the blame, I can't blame them because if you if I came in in the off season, I I was training. You know, Mac Jones really attacked the off season last year. He worked with Tom House. He worked with his own guy, uh, Coach D, who's his own personal quarterback coach. He's in the gym. He's here. Like he was really getting himself in the tip-top shape. To come in here in year two, uh, he cut weight. He all of it. You know, we come back from from the off season, and his teammates are, oh, he doesn't have a belly anymore. You know, he's in great shape. You know, all this stuff, and he's ready to go. And then Bill gets you get to the first day of of team, and Bill says to you, Matt Patricia is your offensive coordinator now. <laughs> And, 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 and he's, I can see the sparks coming out of his ears and, and yours as, <laughs> and I get it. Cause I think a lot of people look at it and say, this is like a generational thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I just turned 30. So, and I, I'll put myself in this category because I'm close enough. I'm not as young as Mac, but I'm close enough. And I get it that we, 
I used to argue with my parents all the time, John, uh, because I thought I knew everything as an 18 year old and I, I knew nothing. Okay. And that's part of that's, that's in a our very mature statement that you would have. Right. Because I, I have a son who's older than you and he still doesn't give me that. Right. So <laughs> I'll, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. And off the air, I'll, I'll tell you a story about how that, uh, that, that came to fruition for me to learn that in my life. But I, I think the biggest thing is, is that people our age, I think, get this rap that we don't want to be coached hard and we don't want to be, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. If it's not coaching, you know, um, it's not that we want it to be rational. We want it to make sense. Like if I mess up at my job and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, I want it. I, I want to be rep- I'm okay with being reprimanded, but I want but it, I had had to have been I had to have messed up. Like I, it has to be a mistake. Where that did I, I mess up? Explain it to right. me. Right. Right. Take me through the process of why you think the way you do. Right. Instead of you know the the old you know boomer way of doing things. Right. Right. Of just saying because I said so. Right. 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 Does that make sense? Right. Exactly okay. what All it right. is. Okay. And so when I look at Mac and his reaction to this whole thing. I say he came in here from Josh McDaniels last year, from Steve Sarkeesian at Alabama with Nick Saban, mm-hmm. and now I I'm, this is who I'm supposed to listen to. And then as the information is being relayed to him, he is smart enough because he has played a lot of football in college and in the NFL, at least a little bit, to say, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why are we doing it this way? And because he pushes back, now he's got an attitude problem, right? And I'm not saying that that's what they're saying internally. I'm just saying that's the narrative, right? Now he he has an attitude problem. So I think that I can totally understand from Mac Jones' perspective that this is his playing career. And when he looks around, I'm sure that he sees Baker Mayfield and, you know, players like that that – start out, have good rookie years, make the playoffs, mm-hmm. all the positive superlatives that they get, and then their careers flame out, and now they're a backup somewhere, and they're competing for a starting job in Carolina, and then they're getting cut by Carolina, and they're yep. going to the Rams, and they're spot starting for the Rams because Stafford's hurt. Like, I, I, I understand. I understand why hitching your career wagon to a defensive coach coaching offense would lead to this turmoil would lead to this frustration for Mac Jones. And that to me is the number one thing moving forward is you need to, the next guy Mac needs to buy into the next guy and you can't, you can't make him buy into Matt Patricia. That's it's not, it's not going to happen and it's not fair, but whoever the next guy is, you need to hire somebody that, there's a respect there, right? Okay, you've coached offense at a high level in college or the NFL or whatever the case may be. Bill O'Brien, Cliff Kingsbury, like all the names we're throwing out there are guys that I don't think that we're going to hear about any strifes between him and Mac Jones. No, I wouldn't say so, but this is also a huge issue with Bill as well because if Bill's going to continue to stay in the game, he has to learn, I think, to adapt at least somewhat to be able to come back to the pack a little bit rather than say, look, I've done it this way for you know 20 years in New England and 40 years right. as an NFL coach, and it's my way or the highway. That doesn't work anymore. This is where things have changed over the last 20 years. I told myself the first time I got fired in this business, which was back in over 30 years ago, first time I ever got dismissed in a job, I told myself that, to stay in this business, as volatile as it is, and I'm talking about the communications broadcasting business as a whole, 
to stay in this business, I was going to do the best I could to stay in it on my terms, but I knew that I had to learn to adapt. Yeah. Do I love it enough? Do I want to put up with the crap enough? Do I want to play ball enough? Right. And the answer was yes, I still love it. This is what I studied to do. It, you know, it still helped define me as a person. So I learned how to capitulate. I learned how to get along. I learned how to compromise. My year in politics also. Boy, did we learn to learn how to go over the, I mean, I work for a Republican governor in a Democratic state. <laughs> right. You don't think we had a hard time getting things done? But we learned. We learned how to do it. Bill has to do the same thing. And I, I don't know, and I, we can only hope, we can surmise that maybe some of that started. You know, we know that, uh, you know, NBC Sports uh, reported this week that both, you know, Bill and Robert Kraft have had their meeting right. already. And maybe some of that started at that meeting this week. I don't know. We have to kind of hope that because if unless Bill wants the rest of his NFL career to be full of disappointment like this last year was, he has to learn to adapt to the current player, to the current schemes, to the current fandom, to the current world that is the National Football League. If he does not, it's only going to get worse from here, and I think he's had a hard time realizing that himself. You've got to adapt with the times, and if you do not, you will fail. How many of great coaches, Evan, great coaches, Hall of Fame coaches, any of them end on an uptick in their career? No, not right. one. Yeah, not one. Shula, Noel, Landry, Lombard. I mean, none of them. None of them did. It's always on a down note. Why? Because it was my way or the highway, largely. Yeah, it's it this day of it's player empowerment, right? And and these guys want to be. I don't necessarily think it's that they want to be equals, but they want to have a voice at the table. Yeah, right. And they want to they want to be in control of their own career. And I can, I, I can, as a as a boomer, I can accept that. Okay, yeah. I maybe I'm one of the few people that will, but I can understand that. But here's the thing: I'm not going to let you run the show because I have paid my dues over a cor- a, a period of time sure. in order to be able to earn. Not just get, but earn the position that I'm in. And I think this is what a lot of younger generational players, athletes, people think that, you know, well, hey, you know, I'm qualified. I can do this. You know, just let me show you. Well, you got to earn your way to the top. Yeah, certainly. I think that there's this is why when we talk about coordinator candidates and Bill O'Brien's my number one guy, I, I would love to have Bill O'Brien back here. But with that being said, I think there is also something to be said for a guy like Cliff Kingsbury, for a guy like Zach Robinson out in Los Angeles, who's a little bit younger, who's a little bit more of this generation, who can relate a little bit more to I Mac Jones. I would be okay with both of those guys, both Kingsbury and Robinson. Robinson, because he's probably going to be, you know, uh, available with you know the the, the, the McVay hiatus stuff. right of the McVay and, staff. and they they also played the position in the NFL, not necessarily at a high level, but they played the position in, in the NFL. So they yeah, right. they from everything that I you know you look across the league and you look at um, guys you know like Ken Dorsey right now in in uh, Buffalo or uh, a guy um, you know the guy in Dallas who I'm blanking on right now Kafka in Kansas City like a lot of these guys have done wonders for these quarterbacks that played the position that are younger right skew younger um, and uh, you know. I think there's something to be said for that with this particular quarterback because I think more of a partnership might might be more 
get Mac more on board than a dictator. I would agree with right? that because Mac is from that generation. He's from that way of thinking. Uh, and that's through no fault of his own. That's just how this generation has developed. Right. And and my, you know, I understand why older people would have a harder time with that because, well, I had to go through it this way. You should go through it this way too. But the world has changed. Sports has changed. It's a bigger business now than it ever has been in the history of sport. And so there's a heck of a lot more that's at stake. So I would tell you that if the, if the sport is worth staying in, then you have to learn to meet people halfway. The way that you have success in life is through compromise. That's it. It's compromise. That's all it is. All right, it's a right. give and take. I'll give you a little, now you give me a little back. Now, if you got a younger person, and I'll use Jack Jones as an example, who's not willing to compromise, then there's the door. Right. Okay? I'm going to come to you, but you have to understand where I come from. And if you don't understand where I come from, pick up the goddamn Google machine and figure out what it's all about. That's what I would tell you. Right. I tell my college kids that all the time. Just yeah. turn on the Google machine, you yeah. know, because we didn't have the Google machine. Right. I actually had to go look through, you know, reams of microfilm, you know, to learn some of the things that it takes you 10 seconds to pick up. I was in the undergraduate library at the University of Texas between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. researching all this stuff because that's the only time I had. Good yeah. morning, Boomer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know what a library is. That's a good one. Yeah, I forgot that draw. That was John Dennis making a making a repeat appearance here. Wow. What's a library? Right. That's exact. Here's a good one. We have the the oldest library in the country in Franklin, Massachusetts. It's right next door right next door to our campus and our kids on campus what the only time i went to the library at uh yeah at ithaca college was because they had a print station there mm-hmm. so when you had to print papers and stuff mm-hmm. like that you mm-hmm. could go in the library mm-hmm. and, and print them for free as a student other than that don't even know what the library looked like that's all i'm saying that's all I'm saying. So Sad. see, okay, but understand that it's a different way of picking things oh, up, yeah. which is great. So all right, I get that. I'm gonna I'm gonna come to you on that one. I got no issue with that. But at the same time, you need to be able to see what I offer in terms of my experience, my savvy, my um, and, and I do awareness. Th- and I I don't think that that Mac Jones is is in the category of a person that doesn't respect Bill, right? Like I I, I don't. I don't think that. I've never thought that either, but I got to admit, I mean, you know, minds wander. And in the way some things were handled during the course of the regular season, I wondered if the respect factor wasn't number one, that there was just a common lack of I don't, respect. I, I, and this is just me speaking. I'm not saying I have any information on that, but I, I think there's a lack of respect for Matt Patricia's offensive acumen. Like, I think that existed. Well, it's because what he was doing wasn't working. Right. And these guys who have spent their careers, young as they may be, but been, spent their careers, you know, trying to excel at that particular brand of football, they knew it wouldn't work. Right. Well, that's that's what I go back to with with Mac with McDaniel's last year and Sarkeesian in Alabama. Like those guys are are fantastic offensive minds, you know, fantastic offensive coaches that grew up in, on offense and the whole thing. Right, right, right. So when he gets coached by those guys and they're telling him, uh, you know, do this, this, and this, and then he gets into the game and it works out exactly how they say it's going to go, and then he gets into the game with Matt Patricia and he calls a play and he's like, gets to the line of scrimmage, and he's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, like, yeah, you, you right. know, uh, that, uh, the camera, the the TV broadcast a couple weeks ago picked him up saying, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. 
right? So that that's I think it's such a huge thing and big hint right there. You yeah. you go back to the sideline and you start looking at the stills and Josh McDaniels will sit there with him and say, "Hey, when you see them do this, this is going to be open for you. Or if you see them do that, that's going to be open for you. Or is that what these guys are doing? Because it didn't it didn't seem like that. It didn't look like there was a lot of that. Right. So you know that that's it's it's all related. But I, I think to you mentioned something before I have to go. You mentioned something about the the quality of football mm-hmm. around the league going down, and I, I personally think that the high-end plays are maybe as good as they've ever been you know just like the the jaw-dropping throws that these quarterbacks make sometimes or the one-handed catches by a receiver but I think that the reason why you're seeing so much volatility in the way that things are being played is because the guys playing quarterback are all skewing now towards Josh Allen type quarterbacks where their traits that make them excel are more out of structure or playground style football than Tom Brady, where everything was just inefficient. Like you just don't see offenses nowadays as much that are like those efficient, well-oiled machines, always ahead of the chains, always, you know, just moving the matriculating the ball down the field. Like the Patriots used to do in the Brady years. Nowadays, it's either Josh Allen throwing a 60-yard bomb to Stephon Diggs or he's throwing an interception, right? And there's just no in-between. And I think that that leads to these peaks and valleys, and that's why I think for a, a lot of it, there's there's some bad football. Yep. And it's Josh Allen, it's Mahomes, it's Herbert. It's like all these mold balls of clay that are playing quarterback these days make these jaw-dropping, ridiculous throws every single Sunday. But but their play is not – it's not Brady consistent, no. right? And I think for no. us that are trained to watch that type of we're, play – We're used to something else entirely. Yes. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. All right. Uh, before I let you go, yes. uh, I, I, the – point that I wanted to make for our listeners today is uh, not necessarily in the order in which they need to happen. Three things that New England needs to tend to as soon as possible in the offseason. Three things. Three things they need to as soon as possible. Yep. Offensive coordinators, number one, and I guess number two would be offensive coaches and, you know, that coordinator bringing in his own coaches, I think would be important. And then I think three is moving on a guy like DeAndre Hopkins or one of these number one receivers because a lot of that stuff happens in back channels before we even find out about it, right? Right. So I I think a lot of that is going to happen quickly. But I I don't think from that, other than really, I gave the deadline on unfiltered and I'll, I'll. the combine. They need to have an offensive coordinator in place by the combine. And that's still five, six weeks away. So they, they, they do have a little bit more time, I think, than people realize. This staff benefit from being the, the, the Shrine Bowl staff? Is that they were named yesterday? Maybe. I mean, I mean there's some who, benefits. If you're going to change up the staff, though, what the hell difference is it going to make? And do you have to keep the guys around that you're going to fire or you're going to reassign just because the NFL said you're coaching the Shrine Bowl? Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I wouldn't look anything into the fact that that they they don't have coordinators. So, like, they can't fire a coordinator because they don't have – they technically don't have coordinators. So, I wouldn't look too much into that. They drafted four guys from the Shrine Bowl last year. 
Okay. Tyquan Thornton, Jack Jones, yep. Pierre Strong, Sam Roberts, all Shrine Bowl guys. So, and a couple of their UDFAs that they signed too were also at the Shrine Bowl. So they clearly see that game as almost equal to the Senior Bowl, I think, when it comes to scouting right. and right. evaluation. So I think it's just a good opportunity to get to meet those kids face to face and get your hands on them and figure out what they're good at. Ev, thanks for your help all season long. Obviously, uh, anytime. Really anytime. good stuff. Well, we'll definitely uh, check in during the off season. So Absolutely. If you're around and you're available, and I'll be here. You know, not not hibernating. Uh, <laughs> you know, Marine. Let's make sure that we you know get him to uh, you know stand at attention. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, Ev. Appreciate thanks for having it. me on. I, I do really appreciate it. Of course, we enjoyed it. It was this was a it was a good run, and I thought we got really really good insight from uh, Evan Lazar at EZ Lazar on Twitter. If you're not already following, and goodness only knows why you wouldn't be. Another guy that we certainly respect tremendously uh, through his time covering this football team. Um, you know, he spent some time in this building as well. Uh, he uh, probably knows the Patriots uh, perhaps as thoroughly uh, inside and out as anybody over the course of the last 20 years or so. It's our, uh, our friend Mike Reese, who covers the Patriots for ESPN and ESPN.com. He's kind enough to join us for a few minutes here inside the playbook. Michael, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. I know that the, uh, the offseason probably got started a little bit earlier than you expected it would. No question, John. I was going to say it would be great if we were talking about a wild card round playoff game or even a first round playoff bye. Yep. But uh, hey, look, we've been, uh, I don't want to say we've been spoiled, but we've seen, had a lot of deep runs over the years. This isn't one of them. And I will say this, John, I don't think they're that far away. You know, um, we, we were kind of heading that direction with Evan a little while ago. And I mentioned off the top of our conversation that, you know, if you could take away literally, I think, two or three plays. This team probably has, or turn them differently. This team probably has two more wins. They're ten and seven. They're preparing for a wild card game, and you've got Mac Jones, who a lot of scrutiny fell upon this year, who would have back-to-back ten-win seasons and made the playoffs in each of his first two years. How can you not look at the future differently than you already do today? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I will say this, though. You could probably say that for a few teams, John. You know, hey, if one or two plays went a different way, you know, we'd be looking at something differently. And that's something I learned from Devin McCourty, who, who talked to me a little bit about that this year. Mm-hmm. And the key is becoming the team that makes those plays. And it's bottom line business. They didn't make them. And so I agree. They're, they're close. And, but I don't think rolling it back with what they had this year is the answer, hoping that you become the team to make the plays. I do think they're going to need to make some significant changes here. All right, so uh, as I asked Evan, I'm going to ask you the question here off the top of our conversation, not necessarily in the order of appearance or need, uh, but three things that the Patriots need to do as soon as possible. So to me, John, it's all about the coaching and you know the regression offensively, um, you know, this past year was shocking. And I'm just going to give you a couple numbers sure, here that, sure. um, you know, to me reflect it. And so people don't just think I'm talking in hyperbole. I mean, I know everyone <laughs> saw it, but red zone efficiency from 11th last year to 32nd mm-hmm. last in the league mm-hmm. this year. Third down offense from 10th in the league last year to 27th in the league this year. Total first downs tied for ninth last year, 28th in the league this year. Mm. Sacks taken, uh, 28th last year, meaning like eighth fewest, 19th this year. 
touchdowns scored. They they scored 48 touchdowns on offense last year. John, they scored 31 this wow. year. I mean, by any measure, it's just the that's facts not even the facts. That's not even and two per game. So, right? Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. Comes back to the offense, and they're going to have to find someone to run the offense. And that doesn't mean the people that were doing it this year are bad coaches. It's just whether it was the right fit, and it wasn't. Those numbers tell you it wasn't the right fit. So there's that. I think it ties into the offensive line. So I'd put that right in there. You know, who's coaching that, and how does that marry up to who's running the offense? And then I would add special teams just from this standpoint, John. I mean, look at the way they lost that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were right there. They had the lead before. They had the lead in the game before they gave up the second one. Yep. I mean, I just uh, to me, and I and I told Evan this. I said if it were up to me, and and I'm more of a, uh, you know, I, I I like to think I'm somewhat introspective. But even so, I probably would have reacted much differently. I don't think I'd have let anybody on the special teams on the plane back home. <laughs> I just, I just, I just don't because it's it's just inexcusable. It's an egregious foul. Uh, you know, it's just it, it's wow. That is just as bad as it gets. The first one, I, I think everybody feel felt like it, it was it, it might have been a divine intervention, you know, because yep. of the whole yep. DeMar Hamlin story. And it was a feel-good story. And hell, as a Patriots fan, and, and as someone who follows the team in the media, I actually applauded it. I thought, okay, you know what? All right, we yep. got you, you're putting yourself in a big hole, but how can you not, you know, enjoy seeing that just from the, the emotion that the Bills players went through over the previous week? But to have that happen again for a second time, Good Lord have mercy. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Get out of my face and don't get on the plane. Mm. I just, Inexcusable, John. I know. And I That's, think comes back to the whole thing with kickoffs, right? You don't have your kickoff guy. You kick it out of the end zone, you don't have to worry about covering them, nope. right? And yep. so that's a whole other topic. Yep. Um, they had guys, two guys on the ground on that second kickoff return. They didn't keep their feet. Miles Bryant missed a tackle. And honestly, and not this is not to make excuses, easily could have had a, a holding call on Jelani Tavai, mm-hmm. the player that was blocking him, look back mm-hmm. almost as if to, to say, oh, did they get me for a hold here? And I thought it was one of several tough breaks that the Patriots got on that sort of from the officials, but I'd never be the type of person to say, you know, the officials lost in the game. You still got to no. make that play, of course. even with that being said. Of course. You know, and we did see some, some officiating that could best be described as uh, <clears throat> controversial, questionable, mm-hmm. but you, you can never blame, you know, a loss on that. I mean, this, this yep. was all about execution, and, and, and uh, I, I keep thinking back to the old John McKay quote, uh, you know, my team's execution, yes, I'd be in favor of it. <laughs> yes. That's the kind of year – that the Patriots had, and 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 the discipline was at an all-time low. You had, you know, Trent Brown led the league in in in, in penalties for offensive tackles. I mean, my God, I just, I, how does this happen unless it happens from within? There was yeah. not enough attention paid to detail, and that has to be coaching. 
It has to be coaching. Certainly, you have to lay a lot of it at the feet of the players because the feet, you know, the, the players are ultimately responsible for their actions. But you know, if if the coaching is where it should be, then the coach says, "Hey, look, Trent, stop screwing around, or I'm your DA. You're, you're you're you know disqualified for next week. That kind of yeah. thing." But the Patriots knew that they didn't have that luxury because they didn't have that kind of depth or that kind of talent. And so I thought guys were able to get away with a lot more, and it just snowballed on this coaching staff. Yeah. Your point, John. I think that's a good, well said. You know, the level of detail wasn't at the 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 level that we've been used to seeing from the Patriots. And to your question of what needs, what are the three things yeah. that need to happen sooner rather than later? It's setting up a structure to get that detail back into play. Okay, so I, I you know, and, and however that happens, whether or not you do that by hiring an, an offensive coordinator, whether or not you, you know, reassign from within and, and put a guy like Matt Patricia, you know, in a place where, you know, he actually might be more qualified, Joe Judge, the same thing. I mean, clearly there's a huge need at special teams right now, and that's a place where Judge did excel, you know, during yeah. the course of his career. Hell, it helped him get a head coaching job with the Giants for whatever it's worth. So w- why don't you play to these guys' strengths? You really... You know, the funny thing about it is the ironic thing all season long, Mike, that I'm thinking about is that, you know, I I realized that Joe and Matt were probably doing what they were doing because they're friendly with Bill, they're loyal to Bill, and Bill's trying to also do them a solid by helping them rehab their reputations. Am I wrong about that? Well, so here's the way I look at it is Bill Belichick really believed that they were going to come in and do a great job. Yeah. This goes back to his idol, or one of his idols, Paul Brown, who yep. had a philosophy mm-hmm. that if you're a good coach, you can coach any, you know, any spot, and it's not, you don't have to be a defensive guy or a special teams guy. A good coach is a good coach. Right, and I don't and, disagree with that. I don't disagree yeah. with that in theory. Yeah. In theory. I think, Bill, I think that was the basis in which Bill made the decision. I don't think anything... That he made the decision. I don't think it was about arrogance or you know what, how people say, or that he was trying to be smarter than others, or that he was cheap and he liked the idea that these guys were getting paid by other teams. No, 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 no. In my opinion, he he literally thought, based on the information he had and what he believed, it was the best thing to do. Right, John. He made a mistake. Yeah. He miscalculated. Yes, it's, that doesn't. And and I I think I like how you said it. Like Matt Patricia's got three Super Bowl rings. Joe Judge has three Super Bowl rings. Yep. Like these guys, that, that tells you they're good coaches. Sure, it's they're just they didn't get it. The they, right fit. Yeah, they didn't get dumb overnight. They didn't lose knowledge overnight. It's just they were miscast in their roles. And I think so, that's fair. so the next the next step to take is to reassign these guys into a position of strength. So maybe Bill can do exactly what he intended to do and help out his friends and his fellow coaches sort of rehab their abilities to where, you know, they can move on if that's what they choose to do. Or they they can have success because if the team has success, they have individual success. It's not the other way around. You can have individual success and the team can stink. We've seen that. It's the other way around. So you've got to approach it differently, and I thought that's where Bill really made his biggest mistake. Yeah, and and I think what we'll see going forward is that he will acknowledge that with whatever – you know, moves forward and does, um, you know, in 2023. John, the biggest thing that I was looking for within the last few days was would Bill sort of, I don't want to say, I guess, double down, for lack of better word, on say, you know what, we're going to give this a try again. You know, like I saw some things late in the year 
that yeah. I like. Let's 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 do it again. <laughs> oh and, my and, God. and that's not the ground not would open up and here. swallow that's, us all, me, that's, Mike. That's significant, and that's probably the most important news of the last three four days. <laughs> we 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 would have a sinkhole the size of Boston if that happened. Yeah. You know, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. All right, yep. so what What are a couple of other quick things then, Mike, other than, you know, trying to figure out the packing order around here and, and being able to have a, a sort of, of line of, of, of command or chain of command, what else does this team need to do as soon as possible? Well, I guess I would look at some of the free agents coming up and, and strategizing how you want to approach it. You know, um, receiver Jacoby Myers, a great developmental story from when he came in. Uh, the team's Ed, Ed Block Courage Award winner announced today. Jonathan Jones, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's on my mind. Honestly, John, I don't want to say I'm unprepared to answer the question, but I'm like still watching, rewatching the game from Sunday. Yep. And I'm I'm not quite totally into 2023 mode, but... Generally, I'm thinking coaching because that happens fast. And if you want a guy, you got to move on him. Right. To a degree. Okay. Good. Um, and and then they'll get to the personnel side. You, I heard you mention the Shrine Bowl. You know, get start getting familiar with the prospects. Um, what am I missing? I mean, anything stand out to you? No, no. I think you hit on everything. To be quite honest with you, I would tell you first and foremost, if you see someone out there that you think can come in and take over as offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, special teams, whatever it may be, you got to go get them now because they'll be mm-hmm. gone before you know it in a blink of an eye. So you have to act. You have to act. If you don't, then shame on you for being slow to pull the trigger. And then, yeah, I think you probably have to start the evaluation process because that's what teams do when they don't make the postseason, although everybody does that kind of year-round nowadays just to, you know, you spend a little bit more time on it when you don't have a game, you know, to get ready for. Uh, I'd like to find out whether or not there's any real seriousness in landing a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. Because if you could add DeAndre Hopkins to the mix – you know, with what you have. And I would also definitely try to make a move toward, you know, re-signing Jacoby Myers. I think he's proven his mettle. Uh, I think he's been a great find. You know, it, it's, I mean, a developmental guy, as you said, which I think is big, I think, for this staff to show that they can do that and to obviously encourage other players to consider New England because, hey, look at what we did with Jacoby, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. to me, uh, that would be probably, you know, if the coaching thing is one, that would be two. I, I, I need to figure out what to do about those free agent receivers. Yeah. Do we know for sure about DeAndre and his like his availability, or are we sort of hanging our hat on maybe one one report there? That That's an interesting one because we saw the back and forth between Bill Belichick and DeAndre yeah. before that. Yeah game on December 12th in Arizona, and there seemed to be quite a bit of mutual respect there, didn't there? Yeah, there was, and and maybe that's part of the reason why, you know, this thought has taken off like it has, and and I and I know the report you're talking about, and I'm just wondering, yeah, you know, if it's true that it makes you know it makes good sense, and I think the Patriots would love that, but then what do you give up for a DeAndre Hopkins? Can you yeah. can you can you give up a player and and maybe a, a number two pick? Is that too much to ask for a guy like Hopkins, who's you know really not in his prime anymore? I mean, he's on the he's he's heading toward the downside of his career, but can you get one or two good years left out of him? I think you might be able to, but that's no guarantee. They they thought the same thing with Devontae Parker a year ago. So, and, and, and we saw how that turned out. So I'm just saying, you know, you've got to come to that conclusion. You've you got to figure it out pretty quickly here so you can decide what your strategy has to be well before you get to April and the draft. And I think it's very clear then in the draft, you have to hope to do as at least as good as you did last year with some of the fines that they had. Yeah. Now, 
Maybe you could have found him later in the draft. I would certainly allow for that. But I would never I – don't, I don't give a draft a grade, Mike, until we've had at least a couple of years to consider yeah. what the performance is. I just hate doing that, and everybody I know does it because everybody likes to play the, the Mel Kuyper Jr. game, you know, and the Todd yeah. McShay game. And I get that. God, I've known Mel for almost 40 years myself. So, I, listen, yeah. that's what Mel does, and he does it very well. But you just can't get an accurate picture unless you find out what kind of pros these guys are really going to be. And yeah. and you just you have to go out and trust your instinct. But you can't have a knowledgeable instinct unless you can figure out where you are right now with the players you, you have at your fingertips. I like it. I like the thought. I, I, I'm going to like not push back, per se, because I think the discussion on Hopkins is fun. Um, and I want to give it room to breathe because, like I said, I haven't really had gotten sure. into it yet. You sure. know, spinning it forward to 2023. Right. If you're telling me it's DeAndre Hopkins or a stud offensive lineman, I got to uh, be honest with you, John. They need like, the lineman. I think I might lean toward the lineman. It's as I went through every game this year, I kept thinking to myself when the offense usually broke down, it was because of not always, but usually because of something up front you know, protection or run blocking. And I I know Hopkins is probably better discussion, more interesting, but I almost wonder if we're, we're overlooking the more important thing by I, yeah. not focusing on what's happening up front. You're not wrong because they need it. They need talent and they need depth, both. Mm. Both. And, and, and look, if, if, if you're going to give Mac a fair chance to do this, because obviously we all know year three in his rookie deal is crucial. Do, you know, whether or not we keep him or do we, or do we yeah. go another direction. So yeah. if you're going to try to surround him with the right guys, they need both. They need a lineman that can protect him, and they need a receiver that can go get it and can still yeah. burn it. So they need both. They got to figure out a way to make it happen. They got to strategize here, and, and maybe maybe that's what you know. Uh, Bill and, and and Robert talked about this week. If indeed they've already met, as we if we believe those reports, then great. Maybe they're on the same page. To me, I think that would be the first thing. Let's backtrack here. First thing of the three that needs to happen: you need to have management and coaching on the same page. Yep. And, and if they are okay, step one. Now then we can now we can worry about the coaches that are come on to the staff, and then we can work up work work on personnel once we have the coaches and the duties delineated. I think that's really well said, John. And I think what we'll see, unlike Tennessee as an example, which lets go of four coaches, I don't sense that that's Bill Belichick's mo or style. Now, some coaches might not be back because their contracts might not, you know, they might be not be, um, they might come up and they might decide to leave, or I could see that. But I, I don't see Bill necessarily saying, okay, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. I think he believes these guys are good coaches, the ones that he wants to keep, and he'll find the right spot for them. Comes back to exactly what you said. Agreed. Are we on the same page here that what, what the team tried offensively from a coaching standpoint it didn't work. Nope. It needs to be different. Yep. I believe they are on the same page, and, and now I think they move forward. Yep. Hopefully they will continue to do that. Just won't move fast enough for you or me or anybody <laughs> listening. That's for sure, right? That's it. That's Mike, it. enjoy a little downtime. I know that it's hard for someone like you with the work ethic that you have to enjoy that, but I, I hope that you can refresh and rejuvenate a little bit because everybody needs that. 
I appreciate it, John. It's uh, nothing like football, and it's sort of like that double-edged sword because you, you want the games, and then, but you also like get to the end of it, and you're like, man, that was a grind. But after a couple of weeks, you're like, ah, I wish there was another game. Right, you know? so, right. Looking forward to 2023. All right, brother. We'll do it again at some point, and see looking you soon. Forward to it always. Thanks, appreciate Mike. You. you got it. Mike Reese, the one and only from ESPN, at Mike Reese, R-E-I-S-S. On Twitter. Okay. Thank you for your patience today. I got a couple of people on phone on the phones here that I, I, I want to get to both of them. Uh, in the meantime, I want to invite you to pick up the phone and you know and let's converse. This is the last time for this regular season that we can do it. Uh, Evan Lazar has given us his thoughts. Mike Reese has given us his thoughts, and now I want your thoughts. Eight five five Pats five hundred is the toll free telephone number to pick up and call. Eight five five P A T S. 500. If you want to go uh, email, and I've got some emails that I'm going to share as well, it's webradio at patriots.com. Or hit me up on Twitter at jrbroadcaster and john.rook on Facebook. And thank you, by the way, to those that have been new followers on Twitter this year. You know, I'm not very good at the social media game, but I would tell you that I really appreciate the Twitter followers. I try to respond if you, you know, DM me or, you know, whatever, you know, I guess that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Sometimes I play like, you know, Mickey the Dope. Even if I am Mickey the Dope, I, I kind of play like it anyway. But no, because I think interaction is, is the key to making social media work. Social media can get bashed negatively. We all know this. We all fall guilty. We all succumb to it. I do too. But for social media really to be social or sociable, there has to be a two-way street. Not just hide behind your keyboard, you know, and attack somebody and then retreat. There has to be a give and take. There has to be an exchange of views and ideas and maybe laughter or maybe, you know, uh, debate or whatever there has to be. I love doing that. So I appreciate the follow on Twitter, and uh, you know, and you can certainly try me out sometime. We'll see how it goes. All right, so uh, here we go. Patty and Aguam has been holding on the longest. Eldred, I'm going to get right to you, so hang in there. But Patty, you're in the playbook. Thanks for hanging in there, brother. What's up, John? It's all good. I'm disappointed, like Mike, that the season is over for the Patriots, but I think we can all understand exactly why it is. Oh, yeah. Well, pardon the pun, John, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what was wrong with the team this year. No, it doesn't. And that's why we we all can hope that, you know, ownership and coaching and management here are on the same page because they got to be if you're going to take a positive step forward rather than taking, you know, a mother may I step backwards. And you got that pun, right? Because Patricia is a rocket scientist, apparently. Yes. I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, just real quickly before uh, before I, I say what I got to say, when you and Evan were talking about, like, um, you know, Evan's dad telling him stuff, it's, it's crazy. Like, it seems like every day, every day that goes past, I become more and more like my late father. And, um, you know, the stuff that I relay to my son that, like, he taught me, I it doesn't get through his head yet either. But it will, eventually. <laughs> Maybe when he's in his mid-40s. But, Maybe. Um, well, there is something about turning so the, 40 that just changes you, so. <laughs> yeah. I think that, it's because that was a long time ago for me, brother. <laughs> I, I think in my case it's because I, I know I'm closer to the finish line than the start line. But um, to answer your three, your three yeah, questions. go. Or to answer the question, what mm -hmm. three things need to change, obviously we need to get somebody in who, uh, who knows what they're doing on offense. 
as a play caller, a coordinator, whatever you want to call him. Um, something that I brought up earlier this season on this show, John, when I said if they're going to run this um, this zone blocking scheme, you know, if they want to try it next year, I mean, go get Zach Robinson because that's that's the that's the offense they run. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to run traditional Earnhardt Perkins offense, which I think would probably benefit Mac and the team more since they have so much experience on it. Get Billy O'Brien or Chad O'Shea, but I would love to see Billy O'Brien in here and, and have him sprinkle in a little bit of that Alabama offense. Sure. You know? Yep, I agree. And that's I, number I, one. I think that would be a really good move. And, and as I told Evan earlier, uh, Patty, I, I'm not adverse. I, I, I'm not averse, I should say, to having uh, Cliff Kingsbury in here. I'm not. Uh, you know, I think you know the guy clearly knew how to run an offense at Texas Tech. I think he clearly knew how to run an offense at Arizona. He wasn't a head coach. And I think we can see that that may be the, the instance with a guy like Matt Patricia and a guy like Joe Judge. Maybe they're just not head coaches. But they are talented football coaches. They know a lot about the sport. They know a lot about their particular area of expertise. And there, there's a place for people like that. And I think if you could take advantage of a guy like Kingsbury, who's under contract, by the way, still to Arizona. So if you're worried about money, you don't have to be worried about money. Uh, you know, you bring him in and you see what you can get and you rehab his reputation, you rehab yours, and everybody wins. Yeah, and I'm not opposed to that. I'm opposed, you know, just get somebody that's experienced running an offense. Um, yes, right. And before I move on to point two and three real quick, Russ Goldman had a had a really good point on, on his podcast where he said, you know, maybe you bring in Billy O'Brien for two years, try and keep, you know, try and um, – convince Kaylee to stay and then turn it over to, to him in a couple years. If, well, I, I think that, they do good. that makes sense because I, I think Bill O'Brien would be a candidate to replace Bill Belichick. Yeah, I do. I think he could be if there, if, if Bill O'Brien came in as offensive coordinator and had some success, you know, and, and developed a good rapport with Mac and with the veteran players on this team, and then Bill gets to you know the the Don Shula you know Mark, which I think we all realize now uh, he's 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 gonna you know he's gonna stick around for that okay. And let's say he gets to it, and if the team is building back up into a Super Bowl contender, I think it's easier for him to let go and turn it over to the guy who helped him get the team back to that level. Yeah, most definitely. And um, the number two, this is for you, Eldred. I know you're listening. Get Max is thinking yep. whether that's deandre hopkins which considering his age what 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 arizona gave up for him and his pd suspension might not be as uh, um you know might not be as uh, cost prohibitive as you might think you know you might be able to steal him or how about a guy like this just popped into my head when i when i was on hold why not take a flyer on a guy like michael thomas who's more than likely going to be done in, in New Orleans. And, I mean, that's a guy that he, I, he's sort of like in that DeAndre Hopkins mold. I mean, he's not he's not a burner, but he's he's just a guy that can just get open, yeah. you know, and he can yeah. catch the ball. And he's proven, at least when he's been on the field, that he's a great player in this league. When he, the outlier being when he is on the field, you know. You need a game changer. You just you need yeah, you, you need do. somebody that can be out there that the the defense has to respect that would allow you to be able to hit things up the seam and you know and, and you know all sorts of things and, and create opportunities for you know a slot receiver whether it's Jacoby Myers or if they decide to go another route I, you you got to be able to do that and and you know the guy who's able to separate 
uh, is the one that's going to help you get there. That guy on third down where everyone knows where the ball is going. The quarterback knows, the defense knows, everyone in the stadium knows, everyone watching on TV knows, but you still can't stop them from, from right. making the play. Correct. That's what they need. Correct. And yep. uh, number three, they need to go in a different direction on special teams, which, like, I know that's, like, pointing out the three most obvious things. Cam McCord seems like a nice guy, but what they've done at the last two years, not even just this year, but, you know, the punt blocks the last two years, the kickoff returns this year, um, I'm not really. I'm not going to blame the punting game on them, because I mean this guy gets hurt, and you bring in somebody off the street that really can't do the job. I'm not really faulting them with that, but the whole blocking, and and the whole uh, kick return defense, punt return defense. I mean they they got to just do better. They got to clean that up, or else you'll see stuff like we saw this past Sunday happen. You know, maybe not every week, but maybe every other couple weeks, and and that's the kind of crap that costs you games. We saw it here because our special teams were so great for so many years. Right, you know, right. we were the ones getting the block. Right, right, and it's it's done a it's it's done a one eighty. It has, and that's that that makes me sad. I mean, that's the part that actually disappoints me the most. That's a part that you actually could sort of you know crow and brag about you know to the rest of the NFL because y- your teams were impeccable. I think even Matt Slater sort of alluded to it after the game was over. On Sunday, thinking, well, I'm captain of that team, and so I take a personal affront to our performance there. And, and of course, you, you know, you heard Mike mention just a moment ago, they were dead last, dead last in the NFL in special teams. So I'm just like, that's, that, that's, not, that's not just embarrassing, that's fireable. That's, that is a, you know, you've got to change personnel. You got, people need to be looking for other jobs. You need to bring in other people who can do the job because there's no place to go but up. One hundred percent. All right, I'll get off the line so Eldridge can get on. <laughs> Thanks, Patty. You're a good man. All right, Eldred, it's all you now, baby. Thanks for hanging in, bro. Hey, Mr. Legend. Happy New Year's Day. How you doing? Same to you, buddy. Hey, everything's good? I'm doing it. Are you off the road? Uh, I'll-, I'll go on. No, I'm driving. You're driving? Country. Okay. You see farm animals and horses and cows and... I'm in Boondocks. Okay. <laughs> what, what what highway are you on? Get back in. What highway are you on? Uh, highway 150 in, in uh, North Carolina. In North Carolina. Coming from uh, Salisbury to Statefield and all the way down to Denver, North Carolina. Oh, my gosh. That's where I got to park my truck at. Yeah, yeah. You, you are down in the boonies, right? I'm down in the boonies, yep. Okay. That's Pretty good. countryside, though. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I think North Carolina's a beautiful state. I love going there. I, I think western North yeah, Carolina, you. you know, in, in the Asheville area is particular particularly oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I go up there a lot, too. Yep. And up there by uh, North, uh, what's that, East Coastal Carolina? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whatever that college is up there. Where, yeah, it's pretty coastal. up that way. Yeah, coastal. Yeah, yeah. You had coastal yeah. there. You had Western Carolina out in Nashville. Carolina. You had uh, UNC. Appalachian, UN, Appalachian, too. Appalachian State's out there. UNC Asheville. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I came very close, Eldred, very close. This has been about now... Oh, God. This has been over 35 years ago. Uh, came very close <laughs> to taking a job in television in Asheville. Oh, okay. I, I went out and interviewed for the job in Asheville, North Carolina. WLOS, Channel 13. Never forget yeah, it. It's still here. Yeah, still there. And, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, you know, and it, it was, it was the only reason I did not take the job as it was offered is because the, the news director there at the time was, was haggling over basically what amounted to about Thirty-five cents an hour. 
on an hourly oh, wage. Haggling. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, really, over 35 cents an hour, and I'm going to move from Texas to North Carolina. So I ended up not going to North Carolina. I ended up coming to New England, and I'm still here. New England. Yeah, Dude. but but yep. it, I I could I could have you know set my roots right there in Asheville. Yep, and I wouldn't be talking to you today. <laughs> Who know? Hey, I might be working for the Carolina Panthers today. You don't know that. Oh, uh, sir, that's like 120 miles out the other direction. 120, 140 miles. Well, but there's, but I, I could make that run. I, I could. Hey, listen, you never. That's true. That would be a run. That would be a run. Well, I'd need for you to clear the way. That's all I need need for you. But I mean, you know, there's no reason why I couldn't have gone from Asheville if I worked in TV in Asheville to Charlotte after that, right? Yeah, that's right. You could have did that too. Yeah, so there's a lot of it switching up now. We got a lot of new uh, anchors and uh, ladies and guys that I haven't seen. I'm like, who are you? Where you come from? Oh yeah. What happened to the one that was a couple of days ago? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens in the markets of uh, that are basically outside the top twenty or so. So that's what yes, that's sir. what happens. Uh-huh. There's, a, there's a lot of turnover. So, so Eldred, what do you think about uh, our our you know? Um, our conversation here on the th- on the three things that really have to happen with this team as soon as possible. Well, I'm on board with everybody uh, in, in three things. Like, yeah, give me offensive coordinator, line coach, uh, tight end coach. Mm-hmm. And if for some reason, if Troy Brown is still under wide receivers, give me a wide receiver coach too. Because them guys, I know they're professional, but those spaces, they also got to be on, on, on position coach too. But you got to see the film like everybody else did, or you got to see the game like everybody else did. Mm-hmm. And if you ain't correcting it, then something wrong with you. Yeah, you know, I, I got to admit, I, I, I look, I, I the, the way that the team finished this year, uh, I, I don't know how you can give really any of the coaches um, uh, a superlative grade. You know, I think you know so, some well some positions you know might grade out a little bit better than others. Uh, for instance, you know, I thought the running back play was pretty decent overall this year, but there are other positions, you know, on the on the line and the receiving core, um, you know, that probably, you know, it could use a little improvement. I think we could even give, you know, uh, defensive backs an okay grade, and, and largely, you know, even though I know you still think of them as the secondary, but um, I, I just, I mean, honestly, they were helped because the Patriots had one of the best pass rushers in the league this pass year. Pass rush. Right. Yes, sir. And then when they went against, like I said, a little bit better team, the better time they got burnt. And it, and like I told Evan in the beginning, you know, and then like we did on, on the pre-draft, he did good with speed in the secondary. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you, had, you got to have height. Five nine guys can jump with six two. Yep, six three wide receiver. No, I think we saw that. An accurate quarterback. Yeah, yep. we we we, we saw. I kept, I kept saying that. Yeah, we we saw that. We saw the the Justin Jeffersons of the world just leap over everybody, and it's like, well, that's not even fair. But that's what the that's Patriots right. have. That's what the Patriots have when you have you know five foot nine you know Lilliputians playing you know defensive back. Yes, sir. And when you could have had a, I, I, I know they're rookies. You know they're having a so-so year. Some of my mates, corners that was that was there at, at, at the first at your uh, at your draft pick at twenty one. You had Booth, Clary, mm-hmm. you had uh, Elam, and you also had a guy from, from uh, Cleveland. You know, not Cleveland, excuse me, Cincinnati. The guy from, uh, not, excuse me, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that that guy, that corner, he, he about 5'10", though. That's, but you had those guys. Mm-hmm. And we got a strange, we got a strange, you know, which was a strange pick anyway. Yeah. To me. Yeah. I, I would I would never made that pick, you know. But this year, I know you need tackles. But like I was telling Evan, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's a couple of tackles that's coming up in free agent that I would go get that 
And if Hopkins, I like Hopkins, but I'll try my best to go after Higgins if I could, but I don't think he's going to leave Cincinnati because I think this year they're going to win the Super Bowl. Is his deal up this year? Is T. Higgins' deal up? Is his deal up? Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, He came in. This is third year, uh, just like with uh, Harry. Okay. We had a chance to get all of them, but we got Harry. Yeah. Right, right. You know, okay, I just, I, yeah, I guess I just wasn't aware of that because I hadn't really been following that one too closely. But yeah, that would be a, I, I think that'd be a great option, you know, if you can, you know, you know, make a play for him. But let's also realize that, you know, when it comes to free agency, if he ends up, you know, that way, um, you don't have unlimited fundage. No, you don't. You gotta, no. you gotta pick and choose your poison here. Yeah, you do. But, but, but that, uh, but it's a couple corners. I talked about them a couple weeks ago. They don't. They are, like I said, they're going to be free agent in, in, end of this year, and they're going to be unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. You get them for a little nothing, and they are good corners. They play for uh, San Diego. One play, uh, excuse me, uh, the Chargers, and doesn't play for the Panthers. I don't know his name, cause I got a list at home. So I'm going to go back and look at my list again. The next time I call, mm-hmm. I'll bring the names up, mm-hmm. and they are, they are like I said, uh, uh, unrestricted. So they're going to cost that much to get them. Okay. You know, because yeah. you ain't going to have to trade for them. You yeah. ain't going to have no third or fourth round. They're going to be that much to get them. But they are 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, and matter of fact, they they gave um, – the Charger guy gave – when they played Kansas City, they gave them all they could handle. And when they when uh, when, when the Chargers beat the other – they were, and it wasn't the Raiders, but one of uh, the best teams, he covered everybody, and mm-hmm. they couldn't throw on them. Mm-hmm. But they've been trying to run him out because the other uh, corner got hurt. And they drafted him. He's coming back next year. So he's going to be out the door. They ain't going to give him a contract. Okay. According to the people in, in our, at, the, at the Chargers. Okay. Well, I looked at the ball game. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So he's pretty good. But he's on, he's like 27. So he has got some NFL experience. So, you know, you ain't paying for no 30, 31-year-old cornerback. Nope. You know, this guy's still fairly young. Yep. But uh, I'm going to get that name. He's rule number 48. But I'm going to get that name, though. Okay. But the other thing recall. is. Yeah. Uh, they was talking about um, the, the East West Shrine Bowl, whatever. The coaches. Yes, yes. I just hope they they do like some of them other coaches. Well, this guy doing pretty good. Hey, let me talk to you. Just you know, then draft. You know, maybe draft if they're good enough. They talented enough. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of getting the second tier. Sometimes you need to get a first tier. Right. You know, that's always been my gripe. You okay. Get a, a first tier. Well, yeah. In other words, it, yeah, I, and and I think that a lot of people have a fundamental issue w- with with that uh, thought process because it seems like the Patriots always pass on those first tier guys, as you call them, because they can get that second tier a cheaper, b maybe to play with a little bit more edge because they are second tier, and and I, I think that's largely how this franchise's dynasty over a 20-year period, was built because they were able to encourage, entice, cajole, whatever you want to call it, recruit those kind of players to New England. But I, like Evan and I were talking in the opening hour of the show today, that mindset has changed now. That's not going to yes, exist sir. as much. There's still a little out there like not that. This year. No, not this year. But, I mean, I just think the mindset has changed amongst younger athletes all over. It's, you know, it's, it's more yep. about, you know, it, it's not about, uh, you know, um, it, it's not about you know paying your dues and and then playing with a little bit of an edge. It's about what I can get right now. And if I can't get it now, I'm going to stomp my foot and I'm going to go on and I'm going to go to someplace else, somebody that will have me. And and it's just yeah. so you got to learn to adapt to that because you know, nobody likes it. I don't think it's right. I don't necessarily think it's wrong, 
Because, again, that's the way people are. But at the same time, your job is to do the best job you can with your team. And this is where Bill and the Patriots need to figure out a way to compromise and make it work. You can't do anything yep. about the way mindsets are. You can't change that. But what you can do is, you know, either adapt or get out. Get out. Yes, sir. because like I said before, these guys, it's business now. It ain't team like it used to be when Brady them around. Yep. And and you throw it up. You throw it up. Uh, I heard you and Evan at the end. You throw it up. Chuck No, Tom Landry. Uh, who is Chuck No, Tom Landry. Uh, Don Shula, at the end of the year, it wasn't good, right? Oh, right. That's, yeah, we so said they, that. That's all true. It's all true. Yes, but, but you, you left out the one main common denominator. Landry lost Starbuck. No lost Bradshaw. Yeah. What you call lost Marino. Yeah. And uh, that was it. When a good quarterback gone, like I said, it's the quarterback. Well, that's why the whole – Eldred, you know this as well as anybody, okay? That's why the whole, you know, who was who was more important, Belichick or Brady, that's such garbage. He wouldn't Brady wouldn't even have been a pro if it hadn't been for Bill Belichick and, and Dick Rabine. Yeah, drafted him, yeah, right. drafted him in he the first place and developed him. So, I mean, the, the whole argument is just stupid. But, you know, you're right. The fact of the matter is that each of these great coaches has had a quarterback to tie themselves to. Bill Walsh was lucky enough to have two. Bill Walsh had yep, two. Yep. He had Joe Montana, and then he had Steve Young. No, uh, that was no, no, sir, no. Steve Young won with with with, uh, uh, with, Mooch, with Mooch. He didn't win with uh, what you call? It uh, he, was always Joe. Young was, was there. Joe. Young was there though before Walsh left. Young was there for Walsh left, right? But but Joe won one those four, and Steve won the fifth one. Okay, and uh, he won with Mooch. Okay, you know, and uh, like I said, even when, when Joe left, it took him three years with the same team. Yeah. To win a Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. And that's what it – because I used to follow the 49ers, too, back in the day. Because I had a cousin, boy, we just – him and my dad would go at it all the time. He was a Cowboy fan. Mm-hmm. My cousin was, was a 49er fan. Mm-hmm. And, boy, they would just go at it all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah. And they had to play each other. Right. So, okay. Yes, yeah, so, so that's like a family rivalry. Right. <laughs> I got you. I got you. So, well, yes. Yeah, all right, buddy. You be safe out on the roadways. All right, sir. Can't blow the horn now. I'm at a red light. Oh, damn. All right. Damn. Oh, shoot. All right. Well, all right. I'll just, you'll have to save that for next time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just get out of his way. Get out of his way on Highway 150 in North Carolina. <laughs> the light turned green, obviously, and he has to move along. Todd in Greenville. You're not anywhere close to where Eldred is, are you? No, it's uh, it's a pretty good distance. He's in the kind of the south uh, west part of the state, and right. I'm right. I'm more east coastish and central. Got it. Greenville, Greenville, uh, North Carolina. Isn't that where East Carolina is? That's where East ECU. That's yep. the Pirates. That's what I thought. Okay, thought so. All right, very good. Yeah. They're a pretty good basketball team, but they're nothing like the Friars this year. Yeah, well, uh, well yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, but ECU's ha- always had, I think, a pretty competitive uh, program, and and uh, uh, yeah. football team was uh, was good this year again too, right? Yeah, actually, the f- football team was surprisingly good. But you know what rhymes with Friars, John? What? Friars, and this <laughs> is why I'm calling because okay. okay. I want a bunch of these people gone. I, I think that <laughs> Bill's done. His his time here is done. His his big Habaloo of doing things the Bill way is done. Hey, let's bring in a defensive uh, court 
the defensive coach to be our supposed offensive coordinator, who we will not actually call that because we don't want to have him take any blame for what goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And then we'll put Doofus in the the O-line and the coach as well, and that sucked. And our QB coach couldn't talk to, I don't know, his whole team hated him when he was coaching, when he was the head coach. Yeah. In fact, I think everybody there hated him. And, it, it, and he, you know, proved it was, you know, look where the Giants are right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's also right? true. Yeah. Yeah, a clean I, house. So you want to just you you that that's your first thing is you want a clean house. You just want you want clean you, house. Give Mac give Mac fresh ideas, fresh faces. Let's clean house. You know the last two of the dynasty are kind of gone. Slater is out, and we all know McCordy's done too this year. They're gone. Let's just hey let's just start again because I really don't think that I got bad feelings. Bad feelings, my friend. I feel like I'm down in New Orleans, and I got that 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 Cajun voodoo stuff going. Where <laughs> this isn't going to look good next year. Yeah, there's going to be a whole lot of bad stuff that goes on when people come in and they try to do something. Because this will be the third offensive. Wow. Well, okay, we don't have an offensive coordinator. This will be the third person teaching Mac in three years. I know, and that's 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 part of the issue here. That's part of the issue. That I mean, never ends well. Are you, but are you, are you going to sacrifice Mac to blow it all up? Don't you have to have some oh, continuity no. to, to ensure no, that he continues I don't to grow? Think Mac has the long ball. I don't think Mac plays well under stress, and I don't think Mac is just he's, he. He would have been good if they would have put the pieces around him, and that includes an O line and an offensive coordinator. And they didn't do it. Whose fault is that, Bills? Hard to argue that. Bye bye, Bill. Yeah. It, it's time. You're seventy years old. Going to be seventy one this season. You done good. You great man here. I can't wait to give you the jacket. And you know what? For my three points, if Bill doesn't go and they take all his little sons and psychopaths and the rest of the Lickspittles and go, then I think um, Kraft Jr. needs to go. Papa, I think it's time that I took the team. Wow. And you know, you know, you realize, of course, that's never happening, right? Well, maybe because Papa's got a four. No, there's no maybe. Uh, there's wife, no because yeah, but yeah. There's, yeah, but there's no maybe. Okay, Todd, there's no maybe. There is we'll no see. maybe. No, no, there's no we'll see either. There's no maybe, there's no we'll see. Okay? That's I, 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 just, I, can, I, I'm, I can I can assure you of that. I just think they need to blow it up, and I don't think there's a, a way to get around that. And that's just my feeling, because I think that right now, I don't think his heart's in it. I, I don't think he's – he doesn't have the same fire, and I think, like you guys said, he doesn't have the ability to change his approach – to be the person he has to be in this particular league because it's different now. You've said it, you know, all of our friends that have called in have said it. In fact, I'm just, I'm actually echoing Christian with a T-I-A-N. We called in and he kind of dropped this bomb a few days back. And the more I thought about what he said, the more I feel like this has got it. It's time. It's time for a change, John. Okay. Well, that's fair. And, and, and honestly, I think clearly, some things do have to change. Otherwise, you're going to end up, you know, repeating it. And I just, I think our whole issue here is, all right, so what has to come first? What, what's the pecking order? How do we need to, you know, uh, arrange things? Uh, and so I put a little sense of urgency behind it and said, well, as soon as possible, without necessarily thinking that one had to go before the other. But to me, you got to get ownership and coaching on the same page. And if they're not on the same page, then I would tell you what you purport is, and, and what you'd like to see happen would definitely be in play. So my one question for is, how, how much longer do you think 
he's going to coach. Because everybody that I listen to says he's going to coach until he beats Shula. Well, okay, you're not coaching to leave a good team. You're coaching to beat Shula. Like, well, uh, first of all, look. First of all, if you point? have any sense of history in the NFL, you understand mm-hmm. what what a what a what a what a what a mark like that means. Uh, and so, I, I, I and, and considering the rivalry that the two had, and and how you know uh, Don Shula before he passed on, uh, literally disrespected Coach Belichick, called him Belichick, all that kind of stuff. Look, I would tell you that. Uh, listen, if I were in Bill's shoes, I'd probably want to stick around long enough to you know uh, win just one more than that. So be myself. But I, I don't know. Here's the thing. In order to get there, you're going to have to learn to adapt at something. And that's the issue that really Patriots yeah. fans should concern themselves with mostly now. Will he stick around two more years? Yes, I think so. I think he will be here two more years. Beyond that, that third year is iffy. A lot of that depends on the success of the next two years. I think you're looking at probably two to two and a half. Depending on the games that are won or lost, it's probably closer to two and a half in terms of wins before he actually passes him. So there's going to be some gray area. I can tell you this will probably if, if this team continues to sort of flip flop like a fish out of water for the next year to two years, then yes, it'll be a point of concern. Yes, it'll be a point of contention. And no, I don't think he'll be able to even to get to that point where he can pass Shula because I think that. You're right. I think that management and ownership will probably be fed up with it. But we're not there yet. He's earned the right to do what he has done based on his 21-year career here. He's earned it. Six Super Bowls says so. Uh, I kind of agree with you, but my point is once Brady left, just like the, somebody, the, one of the previous callers brought up, once they lost their, their guy. Well, then go find mean, another guy, and you have him. You can't. Well, you, no, not, but you have him, and you screwed him up because you you went cheap on the coaches. Ding ding! There's a bill move. Bill doesn't. You just you just agreed with everything I said. This well, is a bill I, that, but that's what I'm the saying. Only solution that, is raising Bill. That, well, no, no, it's it's not. You don't have to fire him. Bill has to realize he's got to change. And until we see him not change, you know, and go up against it, well, then all right, then I think firing is off the table. Last point. When was the last time you saw Bill? do a change in his philosophy. <laughs> okay. What's your He's point? Like you. What's he, your... Is, he is good at what he does, and he focuses on what he does, and he excels at what he does, but what he does doesn't work no more. So you're telling me that you can't teach an old dog a new trick, is what you're saying? Yes, I am. Okay. And Fair that's enough. It, John. That's my two Okay. I appreciate you, Todd. One. I appreciate you. I absolutely appreciate it. And you know what? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. You know, if not tomorrow, we're going to find out really soon. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. It's time to go around the NFL with football guru Russell Baxter. From now on, your name is Flounder. On Patriots Playbook. Flounder. Guy that's been around the block once or twice himself, Russell Baxter, the pro football guru himself. You know, Russell is just weird. I think I was just trying to figure out here uh, not long ago. Let's see, this is two years in the last three that the Patriots haven't made the postseason. But in in the last you know twenty two years that we've been doing this radio, uh, this is definitely the exception and not the rule to it, which kind of gives it a sort of an eerie feeling overall, doesn't it? Absolutely, and I will say this: I don't know who your I don't know who your last caller was, 
But God forbid he ever walked into me and told me how to do my job. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I, I don't know who that young man is, but I've probably forgotten more football than he'll ever know. <laughs> and you, you, were, you were spot on with the respect and so on. You just don't dump guys. That is what the Cleveland Browns do. That is what the Houston Texans are doing. It doesn't work that way, okay? And if you don't think Bill Belichick is capable of adapting, well, obviously, how would you know? You've never met the person. You've never talked to Bill Belichick. I guess mean, <laughs> that was a little, I mean, I, I, I was listening to that, and I was like, my goodness, well, you know, when is he taking over as CEO? Well, you All know right. what, we, but, but Russell, you know as well as I do that we, we have a lot of fans that, that think the same way he does. Oh, there's no doubt about it. It's no, you know, I mean, listen, I understand the whole what have you done for me lately thing. But, you know, it's not like they've gone 5-12 and 12 the past two years. You know? Mm. I mean, it, it, you see a similar approach with, you know, fans of the Steelers with Mike Tomlin. Well, he hasn't won a, a playoff game in six years. Six years, my God. That's just so terrible. Yeah. Six years. You know, for a franchise that's basically clearly trying to win one playoff game. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so that's it's, true. You know, it's about perspective. And I, I'm willing to bet that Bill Belichick has certainly changed because I think, you know, over the years, uh, and, and maybe, listen, maybe, he, maybe he's a little too loyal um, in terms of coaches and stuff like that. I mean, it was a year where he lost Josh McDaniels. Okay, mm-hmm. which was a very big blow considering offensively last year. Let's not forget last year, John. And I'll have to remind you, last year was the year they really broke the bank. And what was the side of the ball they broke the bank on? Yeah, it was offense. Yeah, wide receivers, tight ends, um, you know, rookie quarterback, and so on. And then after one year, the offensive coordinator is gone. So right. the, the Bill Belichick history goes beyond the Patriots. And, uh, you know, Cleveland, which I, I have always felt like Bill got a raw deal with Cleveland. He had just turned that franchise around, and then all of a sudden the franchise left. Yeah. So, you know, you, gotta, you need to have a little perspective when it comes to these. I mean, I, you know, but I've heard it for years. I mean, I've heard the critics of Shula and the critics of Landry and the critics of this and so on. So I mean, you know, I, I don't mean to jump on the guy, but no, no, I'm glad I'm Todd can take it. Yeah, just leave it at that. Yeah, Todd can take it. And but you know, he's he's from Canada anyway. What the hell does he know? They have 55 yard, you know, midfield stripes. So can, Canadian football. So I don't know. It's all right. Todd's good. Todd's a, Todd's a faithful fan no, and, a, and a faithful I'm, caller, I'm, but I'm, but I I understand the frustration, and I think that's just sort of a microcosm of a lot of the frustration that Patriot fans are feeling, you know, all over the place, and and I share part of that frustration, and, and I think clearly, and the reason why I asked the question today is, you know, what are the three most important things that the Patriots need to do as soon as possible? And the first thing that they have to do is they they really have to get on the same page between management and coaching. They got to do it. Yeah. Are they are they heading yeah. in the right direction? Because if they have different thoughts on philosophy, then this ain't going to work. And then there's what Todd said comes into play. All right, well, this ain't going to work. You know, hey, ownership is going to rule here. Ownership's going to rule. It's their team. It's their investment. Well, in in some ways, this has been going on for a while. Um, 
you know, and they managed to still squeeze out a couple more Super Bowls uh, while dealing with, for lack of a better word, the Jimmy Garoppolo distraction. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, there was obviously a split house as far as him being around, and right. they eventually dealt him right. to San Francisco. I mean, you know, so this is not. This did not come to like a couple of last three years because Tom Brady left. There's been a little bit of tension going on here for a while, mm-hmm. and um, that. But again, you know, when they were not, you know, when they won their last Super Bowl in 2018, uh, you can make a strong case they weren't the best team in the league. Sure. Okay. Sure. In fact, they got they slumped late. They lost a couple of back-to-back games to Miami and Pittsburgh. And then, you know, I always credit that six Super Bowl as much as anybody to Dante Sarnecchia mm-hmm. because they just blew the team, you know, they blew the Chargers and um, and, and the Rams and uh, whom I'm trying to – and the Chiefs off the ball. Right. With their running game. Yep. And so on. Those weren't – that was more like old school Super Bowls when they won the, when they won the first one. Sure. You know? With you know a lot of grit and determination, you know I, I always go back to 2004, which I know seems I mean it's almost 20 years ago. That was their best team because they were so balanced on offense and defense, um, running and passing, and Corey Dillon and and so on. So listen, we we've seen the Patriots when they've been one of the highest scoring teams in the league, and they you know they lost the Super Bowl, and one year they didn't even get to one. Right. So um, again, I. I it, this is a, we're in an era right now, especially this year, uh, and with the expanded playoffs, this is the third year in a row, where, for lack of a, a little better word, it, it's somewhat of a watered down project. Uh, I'm sorry, watered down league. You know, I mean, we, we went into the final week of the season where a lot of snowmen, a lot of eight and eight around the league, mm-hmm. and some of them made it and some of them didn't. Yep. yep. So, as I pointed out in one of my notes this week. Um, this is the first time that four playoff teams finished the season with a negative scoring differential. That's crazy to even think about. As bad as yeah, it has yeah. been in New England, I mean, the fact of the matter is is that they had a losing record, but they still outscored the opposition. Right. The Minnesota Vikings won 13-4 and four and were minus three in scoring differential. Crazy. That's crazy. That's it. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, I've been tra- I've actually been tracking it since the merger, and I do how many teams every year make the playoffs within the and and I was like, wow, look, you got the Giants, you got the Vikings. I mean, it's 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 you know we saw it all year. It's been kind of a tough, heavy league. You sure. know, it's yeah. you know we have a bunch of twelve wins and thirteen wins and fourteen wins and so on, and mm-hmm. then we got a lot of. Muddled, which is mm-hmm. why you know the playoffs coming up are be, should be very very fascinating because you really don't know what team is going to show up on a daily basis. No, you don't. You don't. All right, so let's take a look at the twenty twenty three playoffs, shall we? Uh, you got a uh, couple of games on Saturday. You got uh, three more on Sunday, uh, and then you, you actually have a Monday night game too, which is uh, pretty yep. crazy to even and think about. And by the way, John, I will point out. Every one of these matchups was played earlier this year. Right. I was going to say, I, I, the one thing that I did notice, the oddity here, yeah. is that this is a rematch from a game played during the regular season in every right. case. Three divisional. Yeah, we have three divisional matchups. Right. Um, and then, of course, we have you know Jacksonville, who went out to Los Angeles and kicked the you-know-what out of the Chargers, mm-hmm. 38-10. I know the, the Chargers were banged up in this game. Right. 
Uh, Minnesota beat the, the Giants a few weeks ago with a 61-yard field goal. And then the very first game of the year, Dallas hosted Tampa Bay and on Sunday night and lost 19-3. Crazy. Crazy. Saturday, Seahawks, 49ers, Chargers, and Jaguars. I mean, call me crazy. I kind of like the Jags just because of the momentum late in the year. Although, you know, my head probably should tell me, you know, that the Chargers would stand a chance on the road here, and they might. Uh, as far as 49ers, Seahawks, look, uh, i, I got to go Niners, especially with that one at home. Well, I'm, I'm waiting. I think someone said it today on a, on a show, but I didn't catch the whole thing, so I'm not going to indict this person. But I'm waiting for, get ready, John, it's tough to beat a team three times in one season. <laughs> That'll happen, right? That Someone will say that. No, but guess what, John? It's not tough to beat a team three times in one season. <laughs> right. The history will tell you it's not. It happens. Okay? Yep. We've had 23 instances where a team played each other twice during the year and then once in the playoff. And then 14 of the 23 times, the team won the third game. Won the third game, yeah. So, um... So- I will also point this out about the Niners, who, by the way, won. And that's the other thing with these playoffs. You know, you've got these teams coming in on long winning streaks. Cincinnati, Buffalo, Jacksonville, uh, Kansas City, um, San Francisco. San Francisco's won 10 in a row, you know, since getting, you know, they were 3-4. and four. Mm-hmm. And They're in a third different quarterback. Here's a number for you as far as the state. By the way, congratulations to the Seahawks who are the only team in the NFC West to play a game against the Niners and not lose by at least 10 points. How about that? Okay. Um, six games against the division, 179-66. to 66. Wow. 179-66? to 66. Good grief. The Rams and the Cardinals and the Seahawks this year. Wow. Okay. Sunday, three games. We have the Dolphins-Bills rematch. We have Giants at the Vikings. We have the Ravens at the Bengals. Geez, I like the Bengals. Geez, uh, I'm not sure, but I think I like the Vikings. And if you don't like the Bills, I'm not sure what planet you're on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Miami, you know, snapped a long losing streak in them earlier in the year and beat them by two in Miami. And then they had that great Saturday night game in Buffalo. A couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, what was that? That thirty-two twenty. I mean, it was a lot of fun to watch. But of course, that was two. I believe who was the quarterback, and you know, we're, we're not going to see him, and, and so on. And last week, they slugged their way through the, that. Uh, that uh, what was that? Was that in a lacrosse game, eleven to six? Science. Yeah, Pets. yeah, that had been a pretty good lack score. We should ask Bill about that one. He would know. You, you said something interesting, um, and I'm spot on with you in agreement. I don't know what we're going to get from the Vikings because when you play defense the way they play defense, okay, you are susceptible to getting beat by anybody. And dare I say, I think the New York Giants are the more physical football team um, when it comes to the two of them. They Again, they lost a couple of weeks ago, 27-24, mm-hmm. on the 61-yard field goal um, at the end of the game. Right. Uh, I think Minnesota's given up the second most total yards in the league. Yep. And... Um, they're thirteen the and four. Yeah, and I, I will also throw this out: any team capable of losing forty to three in their own building is certainly ripe for an upset. Uh, let's remind everybody: your Super Bowl picks were the Bills and Vikings, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, they were. Right. Yes, they were. And I'm not listen I, until the, both are eliminated. Um, you sticking I'll with stick it? With it and okay. So on. 
Um, but I, I, I would have to say that um, if I had put any money on the Vikings, I might be calling MasterCard right now. So, <laughs> right. And then as far a as the, nervous about, a little nervous about that. Right. So. And the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, may, may, you know, arguably the hottest team in the league right now, uh, the one team that can probably stand up to, you know, either of the, uh, you know, the buy, buy guys in the, in, the, in the two leagues, both Kansas City and, and Philly. Uh, and, and unless we know that Lamar Jackson, you know, is at least close to 100%, I'm not sure how Baltimore does it. No, and they came limping down the stretch. They they struggled to score points the last, I want to say the last five or six games of the year. I don't think they got the twenty. Um, you know, Anthony Brown, Tyler Huntley. Um, you know, they're not as good enough in other factors. Now, I will say this: last week they played at Cincinnati. They were down seventeen nothing fairly quickly, and there's a lot of fight in the John Harbaugh team. So let's not let's not forget that it is a divisional rivalry. And so on, and 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 Cincinnati, but Cincinnati, you know, first off, they're back in the playoffs for the second straight year. That's not not that unusual for them, considering. Remember, they went to the playoffs five straight years um, from 2011 to They didn't win a playoff game under Marvin Lewis. That was a problem last year. They snapped all their playoff, um, won a playoff game for the first time since since 1990. But John, mm-hmm. this is something to keep an eye on. It's not going to happen this week. If the Bengals can get to the Super Bowl, they would be only the fifth team to start zero and two and get to the Super Bowl. Right. I saw the. Uh, yeah, I saw that you wrote about that, uh, or at least I had that as yeah, a, no, as a number this week, instances, right? Yeah. Yeah, and two of those instances are actually the Patriots. Yep. The '96 Patriots who lost to the Packers. Right. And then, of course, the one Patriots who beat who beat um, the Rams. The yep. Rams in mm-hmm. Super Bowl Thirty Six. Right. So something then for the Bengals. I kind of like their chances there. And then the Monday night game, uh, the Dallas Cowboys on the road against the team, the only team that got into the playoffs with a losing record, but because they won the division, uh, the, uh, mm-hmm. t- the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who <laughs> last week, now again, I'm not much on quarterbacks beating this and quarterbacks beating that. I mean, this isn't Borg McEnroe, all right? I, it's never been my thing. But I thought it was interesting. I believe last week, was the first time that Tom Brady ever lost a game to the Atlanta Falcons. I believe it was, yes. Correct. Right. Yep. And if, I, if memory serves me, um, Tom Brady has never lost a game to the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think he has, no. So how weird would that be that you went through the whole year and the last two games possibly of his career and whatever mm-hmm. would be losses two teams that you had never lost to before that would kind of sum up an eight and nine season i guess i think that so, would i think that would definitely set it up for him coming back next year <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean he's listen the only person with more staying power than him is is jason Voorhees in the friday the 13th movie okay <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of people that look at him like that too <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure they do i'm sure they do oh you know, Tampa just, their inability to score, I, mean, I think they only, think about this, and by the way, uh, Dallas falls under this category too. Think about what we saw from the Cowboys and the Bucks this year. Mm-hmm. These were the two highest scoring teams in the league last season. Wow. Okay? Yeah, they now, were, right. Now, Dallas last year got like nine defensive and special teams touchdowns, John, last year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tampa was more offensively driven, and and. I think the Bucks in 17 games this year only scored 30 twice, something like that. 
and one of them was in the loss to Kansas City when they got destroyed on the Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And one with the other was a couple of weeks ago when they beat the Panthers mm-hmm. 30 to 24. Mm-hmm. So it's been kind of a, an odd year for them, you know, offensively, not always necessarily on the same page, worst running game in the league. I know the game's in Tampa. I'm kind of leaning Dallas because I think Dallas just has more quick strike ability than the Bucks do. Yeah. Amongst all the road teams, uh, Dallas is the one that I like. I would agree with that. And, I, and, and not because they're 12 and 5. They were 12 and 5 last year. And, yep. You know, obviously, you know, late that egg at home against San Francisco. But I just wouldn't be surprised if, if Dallas went. I think Dallas might even be favored. They are. The they are. I, the last odd, last spread I saw was two and a half. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, but I mean, Dallas, Dallas can, what we haven't seen from the Bucks this year is a steady offense. And inconsistent run defense, as a matter of fact, to be honest with you. And the one thing about the Cowboys is I think they, they're they capable of scoring on offense and defense. And that might be a little too much for the Bucs. Yep. Agreed. Russell, I want you to know that, uh, you know, in the 22 years that we, we've been together and done this and the time that we've known each other since we both worked at ESPN a number of years ago as well, that uh, I, I've always appreciated your knowledge. I, I'm really – uh, you know, flattered that you would consider you know coming on the air and doing radio with me through the years, and you know now that we have a chance to have this kind of relationship with each other, uh, I'm I'm even more impressed that you take the time to to chit chat with us because we're obviously speaking to a, a definitive group of people that you know certainly love the Patriots but also love football. So on behalf of everyone who listens to this show, thank you for taking the time and talking football with us uh, throughout the course of the year. This has been a blast. I look forward to this every week. Um, I look forward to, you know, I know we'll talk during the offseason on occasion. And, sure. you know, we already know that's going to be wild when it comes to this league as it was last year and so on. No doubt. Um, but, you know, you're one of the people who gave me an opportunity. To, you know, I was a behind-the-scenes person at ESPN. You know, I was, uh, you know, with Berman and Jackson and primetime and graphics and, and all that stuff. And you're one of the people who, you know, Help me get out there and, and actually get my voice uh, voice heard and and gives me an opportunity to talk about something I'm very passionate about and that's uh, the love of the game and and uh, you know so far so good I mean I'm 63 years old which means I'm only I'm kind of halfway through life right that's kind of how I look at it too <laughs> yeah I'm at the halfway point right oh, I totally believe that well enjoy the playoffs on, you have to do, you have to do me one favor okay that. I'll try that. I need you to use your power at the league to get another Thursday night home game for the Patriots. Right, so I can come up and do the show with you live. God, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we got to work on that, Marine. We got we, we you know, if we can get a Thursday night home game, uh, Russell's in studio. I'll call Raj. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's going to call you know, Raj. I, a, I have a better idea. Okay. Have Todd call Roger. Yeah, that's even better. That's even better. Todd and Greenville, you are on notice. Call Raj. We need Russell in studio. Totally agree with that. Russ, we'll talk soon. You know we will. So, But thank you. All I just right. wanted to make, make sure you knew that you are appreciated, sir. Well, I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. And, and uh, before you know it, We'll be talking draft order. Yeah, I know we will. I totally understand that completely. (laughs) Thank you, Russell. Russell S. Baxter, the one and only at Bax Football Guru on Twitter. I'm going to end the show with a couple of quick emails here. Uh, By the way, Claire, Classy Claire says, Hi, John. Hi, Maureen. Sorry I couldn't call into the last season show, but hope to speak to you guys soon. Just wanted to say thanks to both you guys and for the show during the season. Big love. Thank you, Classy Claire. 
You're always appreciated. Um, our friend Howard, who was in studio with us earlier this year, you remember Howard in Connecticut, right? He says, as for BB, I don't honestly think that BB is dictatorial as a manager. I've read too many books, articles, the latest coming from Fox just this week, that states Bill has an open-door policy and is always listening to his coaches and his players. I think he listens, and I do think he takes all of it in, then makes a decision that he believes is best for the team. That isn't a dictator. That's a good manager, a leader, gathering, information, available, and based on their experience, making a decision, which is what they were hired to do. Will Bill make mistakes? Absolutely. He's made them. But he has made more right decisions than wrong ones, and that's what makes him a good coach and manager, in my honest opinion. I wanted to read, you know, uh, Howard's message there, his email, because he's just nailed the head of the nail. I mean, he just, you know, he's just, he's, the hammer has hit the hit nail head on that one, okay? I'm trying to look for an analogy, and I guess that's the only one I can come up with. Spot on, Howard. Spot on. He aired. God forbid any of us make mistakes. Right? And, of course, there's Aiden in California. John, I want to get in on your wish list from a few weeks ago to fix the team. First, fire Bill. <laughs> Hire Hawball or be enemy. Trade for Tunzel since he wants more money. Trade for Hopkins or Judy. Draft a tackle. Free agent, solid cornerback. And the reason I say fire Bill is that last few years the coaching has been uninspiring. But I can't blame him. He's 71. But you surround yourself with great staff to succeed. Bill doesn't like to be forced to change. So just rip the bandage clean and start over. <sighs> well, see, these are the two extremes. This is what we deal with here. But that's okay. You know what? I I'm good with it. I'll entertain all opinions. You know, opinions, opinions, as we all know, are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one, which is fine. But that's what makes the world goes around. That's what makes shows like this worth doing, you know, worth entertaining, no matter how outlandish or how right or how wrong you might actually be in a particular subject. It's okay. I'm good with it. And I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy days to share a little bit of your knowledge and your thought and your opinion with me, with us, with everybody here. Because that's why we have this show, and it's why we've had this show for 22 years. So thanks to Mike Reese for joining us today, Evan Lazar for joining us today, Russell Baxter for joining us today. Uh, big ups to the producer, Maureen Matt Morell. Okay. Because it doesn't happen without Marine, you know, helping set things up and taking care of things during the course of the regular season. We will be here during the off season, but it will be a monthly show starting next month. Our first off season show will be on Wednesday, February fifteenth. Okay, twelve until two. So we move the start time up in the off season to a noon time show. 12 to 2 on Wednesdays. Yeah, that's generally what we do. Uh, there may be an occasion we have to slide it back. We'll let you know. Just If you follow on the, one of the social media channels that we have out there, uh, we always you know, put it out the day before uh, uh, during the offseason, so that way you can kind of be prepared for when the show's coming. And then, of course, you can always just check in on Patriots.com, and it'll let you know when the next one's coming up. And Or you can just tune in to the very first or the very last of one of the previous you know, podcasts, and we usually talk about it like I'm doing right now. So, you know, that's how you can always find out and catch up when the next show is. Because that's the one chief complaint I always get. I never know when the show's on. Okay. Off-season. 
Wednesdays, usually the last Wednesday of every month, usually. But we're not going to quite go to the last Wednesday of February because we wanted to do something that was relatively close after the Super Bowl number one. And it's not so far away, you know, from today because we're talking about basically a month away from right now. But then in starting in March, April, May, June, as we get, you know, into, you know, draft time and, uh, and uh, OTAs and then, uh, you know, rookie training camp and all that kind of stuff, we'll aim more toward the tail end of the month. Uh, and then that way you can kind of look for it on the last Wednesday of the month and 12 to 2. Noon to 2 Eastern time on Wednesdays is our normal uh, off-season schedule. So thank you for your due diligence. Thank you for your participation. Thank you for your listening. Thank you for your downloading. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your suggestions. Thank you for your emails, your cards, your letters, your phone calls, your tweets. Thank you for your posts. And most of all, thank you for just listening. Because without it, well, guess I wouldn't be here. But I thank you anyway. All right, we'll be back again. Same patch time, same patch channel. Well, different Pat's time, same Pat's channel, though. February 15th. Enjoy the playoffs. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.